right. Welcome to another Win Daily Show. I have my man, Sia Najad, with me. We have Rich Masana coming on to talk a little soccer because we have a lot of soccer. And Sia and I get to talk a lot about baseball today, guys. This is the first time I really get to talk about baseball for a significant period of time with you, Sia. So I'm very, very excited. But first, how you doing today, man? I'm doing great. I'm actually super excited because, you know, I'm, you know, baseball's not exactly in my top two in terms of sports, but any sport that's coming back, especially baseball, which I happen to be pretty profitable on from a betting standpoint, I'm, uh, I'm super happy about it. And I, I honestly think, you know, of all the sports that might get affected by COVID, I think if we had to rank them, I think maybe the NFL and college football, unfortunately, mm-hmm. are sort of at the top of the list in terms of a, a, a sport that might get sort of, you know, taken out because of COVID. I don't think that's going to happen. I just think that they are the most likely. I think MLB is is one of the most, uh, one of the least likely, I should say, mm-hmm. to get their season can't their or bridge season canceled. So I'm excited about baseball. I've already been looking at futures bets. I know we're going to talk about th- that today. So, and then on top of that, you know, we were all a little worried that the Travelers was going to get canceled because mm-hmm. of a few people contracting COVID and a few caddies. And, you know, the, the commissioner went on and, you know, he gave a great press conference and he gave a lot. He inspired a lot of people from a confidence standpoint. So here we have the travelers. It's Let's awesome. Go. Yeah, I was uh, you you had me scared in, in the group chat. You're starting to you're sending us messages. You're sending us screenshots. And all of a sudden you're like, I don't know, it might get canceled at two o'clock. And I was like, what the hell's going on? Like all of a sudden it's going to get canceled. And then thankfully, um I don't, I don't, I didn't even, I don't even think I saw the press conference. I think I was doing something from like two to three and then I didn't get any messages or tweets saying that it ended. So I just kind of assumed it was fine and it just turned out to be fine. So yeah, it was got a little weird, obviously. Um, you know, this comes the, the new, that new came down Wednesday. So we were already talking about Brooks Kepka at that point. We were already talking about Webb Simpson. Both of them obviously withdrew from the tournament. So that's why you got to come to the discord, everybody, which is free for three days. And there will be a link to the discord invite in the show notes of the podcast so make sure you hit that up there give us a five-star review if you're hanging out with us there too but i think that's the most important part is you know that is what is going to happen in every single sport moving forward especially in season long especially in dfs Uh, i think season long is a little bit more terrifying especially for baseball and and football because you draft a guy and he's out for two weeks in baseball two weeks is now you know like I don't know, one sixth, one fifth of the season almost. So it's going to get a little weird and I'm really excited. We're probably going to bring Nick on next Tuesday. So Nick, if you're watching, get ready, get your notes ready for next Tuesday because we're going to need a lot to do with fantasy baseball and it's going to be a blast. But let's start out with a little bit more PGA. Um, This happened the last week, so I'm not going to get, I'm not going to get too angry, but none of my lineups are in the money right now. Um, That happened last week, but then I ended up making, you know, profit. So it turns out fine. So I'm not going to get angry at you like I did last time, but. (laughs) <laughs> Talk to me. Who who have you liked so far? What have you been paying attention to? There's some uh, Max Homa. I think he's plus one. So your guys let me down again, but we'll we'll get over it. But how are you feeling about some of the golfers? How are you feeling about some of those lineups you put in? And and what are you expecting moving forward in the tournament? So like I always say, and this held true last week as well. You know, the your DF your PGA DFS doesn't really start until Saturday morning because Thursday could be a complete flip of Friday. I mean, that's just how it works. Sometimes it's that's how it works because you have the morning tea times versus the afternoon tea times and things of you know related to weather and things of that nature. You don't really have that as much here, but yeah, I'm excited about tomorrow. So as far as my teams, you know, in, in the Discord chat, and I, I got to give props to to Patrick and uh, Stephen at Sicily Kid, of course, and, and and a lot of our subscribers too. I think it's uh, at Isaiah Protocol. He was dropping some like crazy good knowledge. He even went to our research tab and sort of dropped some of his um, some of his guys and, and, and i'll give you an example he was really high on louis Ustazen. and i gotta be honest there's just not a lot of people in the industry that were high on louis and there's good reason to not be high on him because he just hasn't been that good but you know uh, we were in the discord chat last night we were all talking about it and he, he gave us his reasons and they were all valid and and i'll be honest i, I didn't have a ton of louis and i, and I kind of wish i did but it's it's really nice to know that like we were all just kind of going back and forth and you know this came to me it sort of came out of nowhere because he wasn't on my radar and i think louis you know, I, I got to look at my notes again. I'm just coming off the round ending, but I think he's minus six right now. So he's, he's up. And honestly, he missed a couple putts. Like he could very easily be minus eight. He could be, you know, where Xander is right now. So uh, it's been really interesting. It's a, it's a classic, you know, the last couple of weeks, you had a lot of big names at the top and you had a lot of guys that you're like, well, who's that guy at the top? So there's um tomorrow's going to be a very interesting day for sure. Yeah. 
I'm I'm very excited to watch it again. Golf is fantastic. You can't start watching golf until about one o'clock in the afternoon. Um, even though we have a bunch of big names that go off. I don't know if anyone from the golf channel or anyone in just in golf is listening. Come on the show and explain it to us because it makes no sense to me, man. There's no sports on. Everybody's at home, right? It's not like it's a normal Thursday. Everybody's at home. How many people just sit in front of the TV and use it as background noise? Is there any outside of baseball? Is there any other background noise sport than golf? I mean, the birds chirping. I mean, you usually get those little golf claps and everything, but it's, I don't know, man. It just doesn't make any sense to me. That's, we'll get off that rant for a second. But no, it's, it's, it's kind of a disgrace if you think about it. Now, realize, of course, these contracts are locked in like long before a pandemic ever hits and, and things of that nature. But, but golf has had this problem for many years. I mean, people want to watch golf and things, places like, you know, the, the golf channel, you know, want people to watch their programming, like figure it out. I mean, these guys tee off at 645, start your programming at eight. So we shouldn't all have to, you know, buy an NBC like sports exactly. app, or we shouldn't all have to go to the wait for the PGA tour channel to air, which is usually only an hour before the, the golf channel does not like none of it really makes sense. And it's one of those things. Like, it's almost like we complain about major league baseball because they don't showcase their stars enough. Mm-hmm. They, they do so many things. Like you're not allowed to show personality. You're not allowed to flip your bat because apparently that's against some unwritten rule those things get your sport popular and in and, and kind of a different way, but the same way, like the PJ needs to realize like you have viewership, but you don't have viewership and that's mm-hmm. your fault. It's not the viewers. So like, get it together. This is really kind of troubling. It, it makes no sense to me. And I agree with you. Yes, obviously these TV contracts and everything's placed well ahead of time, but man, like, I feel like there's a conversation that a few people can have and be like, Hey, you know, there's a pandemic going on. It's the only sport in the world. Like, is there a make good we can do in the future? Is there something we can do? Because I don't know, man, it, it's kind of ridiculous, but too much negativity. Let's go to the positivity. Who are some of the golfers that you were pretty high on and that are, that are doing well or, or, or um, from that standpoint, who, who would your biggest market shares and how are they doing? So I can really only speak for me, although although in the back of my mind, I, I do have what Antonio Patrick, I, I forgot to mention Antonio, by the way, I apologize. Uh, Antonio Patrick and um, and Steven, Steven uh, they had a lot of guys that I'll, that I'll try to remember. I can tell you, you know, like a lot of people, I was definitely overweight on Bryson DeChambeau and he, he came out and he, he played too. a great round. Um, yeah, right. So, you know, he's certainly, you know, he's not, he's not too off the lead or anything, but he's right where he needs to be. Uh, he had a great round. I think he's going to continue to build off of that. Let's see, Rory had actually... Uh, a great round. Now I wasn't, I didn't really tout him too much, but I did have him have him on a couple teams and those teams happen to be doing really well because it looks like those teams are going to have all six guys make the cut if things go like decent tomorrow. So uh, Roy did well for me personally, Abraham answer. He didn't have an amazing day, but he did have a hole in one and that's amazing. And I love Abraham answer. I mean, I've been on this train for quite some time pre pandemic. I've been on this train. So I'm yeah, exactly. So I'm, uh, I'm excited about that. Minus three isn't great, but it's good. Uh, Victor Hovland, you know, we were all on him, the, all the window, you know, it's kind of one of those things, you know, he's chalky, but as we discussed in the discord chat, you can take chalky guys. You just have to find your ownership leverage other places. And by the way, in the discord chat, Steven in particular, Patrick too, was explaining, you know, to the subscribers, you know, what, what does ownership leverage mean? Like ultimately, like what, what should your percentage add up to in these big GPPs or even the smaller GPPs? So that was, um, that was really like educational for everybody. So, so you, I guess my point is the discord chat isn't just for, Hey, this guy's better than this guy. There's actually a lot more going on from like a pure math standpoint. So that's, that's kind of cool. Let's see Harold Varner. I was big on, I mean, I was touting him all night. Uh, I mentioned him on Tuesday as well on the wind daily show. He's, I think he's minus four right now. He's doing great for his price tag, which I think was 7,000. Uh, he's doing, he's doing fantastic. And I'll tell you, I mentioned this in discord yesterday too. I, I personally fully faded, uh, Bubba and Paul Casey, and neither of them are doing well. I think you know that I think they're both at minus one. Certainly have a shot to make the cut, but considering their chalk level, I wasn't down with it. And at minus one, that's that's sort of paying off for me right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I only have a couple pairs of Bubba. Um, I only made a few lineups again. Uh, still getting my getting my feet wet, but uh, yeah, I think I had a couple shares of Bubba. How about who are some of the guys that maybe we were a little excited about that haven't come out on fire like we were hoping they would? Well, Gary Woodland. For two reasons, uh, I'm I'm sort of kicking myself. One is because in, in DFS he's just not he's not doing that great. He is at even par, so he's you know the cut tomorrow is probably I'm just guessing it's going to be minus three. Um, so he you know Woodland's perfectly capable of shooting a minus five or six tomorrow, but 
it feels like the same old Woodland from last week. Like he went to a par five. I think it's the par five 13th. And, you know, Victor Hovland eagled that hole. Like plenty of people eagled that hole. And, and a birdie is 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 kind of normal on that hole. Of course, just like last week, Woodland comes to these par fives where you should get a birdie or an eagle opportunity. And he double bogeys it. He did that last week, too. Well, and it's just like it's just like really frustrating. I don't know if he's losing his concentration. Like there's just no you have no business double bogeying these holes that you should get a birdie or an eagle look on. So that was really disappointing. And I'll tell you, DJ was a little disappointing. I think he's at minus one, which is, you know, that's not, he's, he's, he's going to miss the cut. If he shoots minus one tomorrow, I don't think he will, but that's pretty disappointing. Cause I expected DJ to build off of last week. And, you know, I, I kind of expected him to be where Bryson was today at, at like minus five and continue to build off of that. That was pretty disappointing. And like you said, Homa, I wasn't super overweight on Homa, but you know, I do like him, and that was pretty disappointing. One move I made late, um, really late in the game, I think it was this morning, because I woke up early to make sure there were no like, late mm-hmm. withdrawals. And I um, I thought I was overweight on Joel Damon, and so I put a couple shares of Corey Connors in. That came back to haunt me, because he's going to miss the cut for sure. You know, Corey Connors is a good ball striker. He's a bad putter. And, you know, putter is one of those things where you can get hot. So if the ball striking is there and you happen to be hot with the putter, you know, there's some upside in like a Millie maker, for example. Mm-hmm. But Connors was awful today. You know, one of the worst golfers on the course. So I regret that quite a bit because I'm not a Connors guy in the first place. So it was kind of one of those hunch moves that bucked my personal research, even though his metrics graded out. It just he wasn't a guy on my list. So that's kind of a lesson. You know, don't tinker. This applies to any fantasy sport, whether it's fantasy football or MLB or NBA like, you know, it's one thing if somebody convinces you and they have really good data and rationale that, that you didn't know. But if they give you the same data and rationale that you already knew, but you still didn't have them on your list, then that's kind of one of those things where it's like, no, 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 I already took the stand. I already said I wasn't going to have him, so I don't need you telling me the same. And that's not what happened here. But the point is, I had no reason to tinker. I had no reason to make that change, especially for Joel Damon, whose metrics are better than Corey Connors, frankly. So, you know, here I am kind of wishing I hadn't done that, but that happens overall. The the picks we made the, as a win daily team. I mean, I'll give you an example. Tyler Duncan, I think he was on DraftKings like 6,600 or 6,400. I can't, I got to think that Steven at Sicily kid was the most overweight on Tyler Duncan in the entire world. Like that's not hyperbole. I actually think he was. And he told us how, how, how deep he was in on him. And, you know, I had a couple shares thanks to, thanks to Steven, but not nearly as many as I should, I, I suppose. And here comes Tyler Duncan. He comes out and he shoots, you know, a, I guess it was a 64. He's minus six. I mean, this guy has been like pretty good, but he's still Tyler Duncan at the end of the day. And here comes Steven on the discord chat being like, I'm overweight on this guy. Just so you know, this is what I'm doing. And before I, before I blink, he's already at minus six. So that's, that's super impressive. I, I was, that's not my pick, but I was, uh, I was pretty happy to see that. I enjoy just reading Steven's articles when he sends them to me because it is insane how smart he is. And, and then, as you said, when you include all the math and everything now, obviously no one's ever a hundred percent. I think he was, um, not super high, but he definitely said, you know, make sure you own some shares of Bubba because you don't really know what's going to happen. And of course, I mean, the dude's won it three times in like eight years or something. So that makes sense. But his articles are incredible, incredible, man. Now we get them pretty late on Wednesdays, probably around like six o'clock Wednesday night is when they come in. So you really only have about 12 hours to utilize them. But it is an incredible 12 hours seeing what his head can come up with and what he can do. And I will add one more thing. Don't tinker. Don't make important decisions at six o'clock in the morning. <laughs> uh, I woke up this morning to an email and I started to read it. And I was just like, this is something that I don't want to answer right now because I'm not fully in a great state of mind. I drank my cup of coffee. I got used to it. I looked at it. Everything changed a little bit. So I'll add on to your don't tinker. And maybe that's that's the problem with golf DFS. Maybe we finally found the one negative. You have to lock your lineups at like 630 in the morning. And if you're making heavy decisions, man. It, it gets a little terrifying. So yeah, it, it normally normally you don't have to worry about it. Normally you don't have to worry about waking up, you know, five ten minutes yes. before lock. But because of COVID, it's mm-hmm. like I don't know. Somebody's going to show up. Maybe maybe they don't even test positive for it. But maybe they're just not feeling well, yeah. and they want to take the extra precaution, like some of these golfers did, uh, like Brooks Kepka, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So you know, it, 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 it's one of those things that happens in every sport and every fantasy decision. There's always the, you know the bad one that you make late in the game, but you know that's okay. It happens. It happens. We're still making money. That's why we make a couple different lineups too, by the way. So uh, a couple more things here for golf. Any outright bets that you're looking at after day one? I know one thing that you and I always like to talk about is who didn't, you know, who was someone you were excited about? And then they might not have done exactly what you're looking for on that first day, but might have the chance to kind of bring it back in those next three. So is there anyone like that that you're looking at? So 
a couple things. One thing I like to do with the outright market, unless I see something just really obvious, usually I wait until after Friday to to see where I'm at mm-hmm. with uh with a in game sort of an in game in tournament outright bet. I did look. I didn't see anything I loved. Um, I looked at the DraftKings sportsbook. I'll, I'll tell you though, you know, Dustin Johnson, who I like, um, is eighty to one which is a huge number. Granted, he's nine shots back. That's that's a lot. Like if you're nine shots back, you typically don't come back. The good news for, it's a kind of a good news, bad news thing though, because the guy in front of him, Mackenzie Hughes, who shot out of his mind today, is not going to win the tournament. Like we know that. So he's really, he's really, what is it? So he's at minus one. He's really, I think Xander's at minus eight. So he's really like seven shots back. I actually got to double check that. But the point is Mackenzie Hughes is not who he has to, who he has to catch. He has to catch the guy in second place because that's actually a legitimate golfer that can actually win the tournament. So if you think of it from that standpoint, I guess it's Rory and Xander are minus seven. From that standpoint, DJ's only six shots back. So if you're taking an 80 to one guy to catch Rory, the bad news is he has to catch, still has to, has to catch guys like Rory and Xander. But again, at 80 to one, for a guy like DJ who could potentially, you know, string five birdies together and all of a sudden be within three, you know, tomorrow uh, or at least within two on Sunday, mm. 80 to one for a golfer like that. I think I guess, you know, I guess there's some value there. I think I would probably put five or ten bucks on that just for the sweat. And if he bombs tomorrow, then so be it. But maybe he shoots maybe he shoots two or three shots better than Rory and Xander and some of those guys above him. All of a sudden, he's only three shots back. Or even if he's four shots back, you have him at 80 to one. I guarantee you those odds tomorrow are, you know, cut in half at 40 to one. So that was somebody I looked at. You know, he is he is quite a ways back, but I do like it. The other guy, I got, I mean, again, I don't love the odds right now, but I gotta be honest, Tyler Duncan at minus six. He's 66 to one. I don't think he's gonna win the tournament. He's not nearly as talented as these guys, but again, it's 66 to one. He's only four shots back. But if you go by my logic that Mackenzie Hughes can be sort of taken out of the equation, he's really, you know, he's near the top. If he was 30 to one, it would be a laughably bad bet. If it was 45 to one, it'd be a laughably bad bet because he's probably not going to win. But once you get to that 60 to 70 range for a golfer that is sort of under the radar, so he's not getting the respect from an mm-hmm. odd standpoint. And for a golfer that's actually been pretty good. And for a golfer that was repped out by at Sicily kid, I got to be like, all right, I got to pay a little attention to this. And, and by the way, I, I do want to clear something up. The reason why and you know this, the reason why Steven's uh, article comes out, you know, when it does is because he wants to lock in those ownership or those projected ownerships, which mm-hmm. he's usually on point on. So that's sort of why that second article of his, you know, comes at the time it does. But yeah, it's, 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 um it's interesting because some of his ownership percentages are different than some of the things you see in the industry for some of these like other paid sites, mm-hmm. these non-Win Daily sites. And usually Steven's projections, which he has this sort of secret little algorithm thing that he works with people to do. Yeah, I can't, you know, I, I, yeah, I up. swore to secrecy. Um, but, you know, th- those are usually more on point than those industry ones you see in other places. So that's just something to be said for that as well. Something to be said. And all of his articles are for free on windailysports.com. You don't have to put it in a credit card. You just have to put it in an email address. How hard is that? That's really, awesome. not, that, really not that hard. We all have like eight email addresses. Just pick one of them. Who cares at that point? And I think it'll be worth it. You get Sia, you get Patrick, you get Antonio. You get Steven. And one last thing about uh, golf, the showdown. Um, I know that's, you know, usually the showdown is Sundays when everyone really gets hyped about it. But are you looking at anything? Are, are you excited about anyone tomorrow for the showdown that may not have done so well yesterday? So their price might be down a bit. Yeah, it, it's a good point. So there's a lot of guys who did well today that the price is down. By the way, Mackenzie Hughes, you know, this no name golfer, mm-hmm. he's only 6K. You know, and he's minus 10. So it's interesting. I don't think Mackenzie Hughes is going to be anywhere near where he was today. But at 6K, you almost consider that like a, quote, free square. Like, mm-hmm. okay, I guess I'll add him into my lineup and then just make it, you know, just figure out the other five. Because he's 6K, it's going to give me so much leverage to get some of these high, you know, high-priced guys. Mm-hmm. So that, that's kind of an interesting guy w- when it comes to, like, lower-priced guys. I'll tell you, you know, we're still sort of digging in because, you know, the day one just ended. But I would say, first, two things. First of all, we'll be on Discord later, and we'll be talking about it. But more importantly, tea times. The early tea times appeared to be, I, I think it was a stroke or a little bit more than a stroke better than the afternoon tea times. Weather's not a big factor, but, you know, just the way, you know, mm-hmm. the sun hits and, and how fast the, the, the greens are and things of that nature. Like, And the wind does pick up a little bit typically. So I would focus on the early tea times and, and a couple of guys that just kind of I was scanning that – like you said, didn't do that great today. That might, you know, put a nice round together tomorrow because they have a history of doing that. Uh, Naismith, Woodland, DJ, 
Um, Scott Stallings was actually great at greens and regulation. His stat, you know, he was, his accuracy was good. Uh, you know, everything, his approach was good, but he just didn't put up an amazing score. So Scott Stallings is interesting to me. Danny Lee's another guy that never really gets any respect, but you know, three out of four days usually puts up a really good score. And then the fourth day is usually a blow up day. You just got to figure out when that day is. So mm-hmm. we'll have more to say about that on the, um, the discord chat, but those are just a few guys that I just kind of saw. I'll tell you, Sergio Garcia continues to kill it too. Yes. And his stats, his stats bear out his score. In other words, this is not something that's just sort of like happening. You can't figure out how, like, it's very easy to see how he's hitting the ball perfectly. So that's another yeah, guy. No, there, there are those statistics in baseball too. And I'm really getting excited to remember what they are, but no. And uh, I have a couple shares of Sergio. Uh, so very excited awesome. about that. So it should be fun. And so we were talking about people that you can get their free information and you can make a lot of money with it. We're going to bring in our friend, Rich Masana. Again, top 4% in the world daily fantasy sports i think it's worth it to, to bring him on and chat with him a little bit rich how you doing tonight man what's up guys how we doing doing well brother what's up good, rich good day to be alive man it's a good day to be alive how did you did you celebrate liverpool's win today how was it yeah i mean you yeah, know sort of a formality um you know i had to spring the hedge all my man city bets you know at the half Ended up, you know, putting some money at Chelsea, some on the tie, you know, some uh, dual parlays and stuff to sort of protect that. Yeah, I, I think uh, that's the one sports betting suggestion I had this week that didn't work out. Um, you know, everyone, I think the, the four-way parlay hit yesterday. And, you know, unfortunately I had Man City uh, and leg of some, so I had to shuffle, you know, get that done. But it was a great game, uh, the Chelsea-Man City game that uh, led to Liverpool's title. You know, I think most people did expect Man City to win, um, but – you know, Chelsea, uh, it was tied late in that game, 1-1, and you know, they had a, a barrage of shots on goal, and, you know, Man City was basically helpless. They had to palm the ball, and, you know, gave them the go-ahead goal and a penalty kick, so. It's, it was crazy. I was watching. I wasn't, I, I didn't get to watch most of it. I got to stay up to date with it, obviously, through the Discord, and I heard a lot of, uh, there's a couple people that didn't really like that, uh, didn't like that goal, might have lost a little money, or as Sia says, you didn't lose the money, but it definitely was taken directly out of your hand after someone pretty much placed it there, especially with as late as it happened. Uh, and one one question before we do get to the the slate coming up this weekend. Is Christian Pul- Pulisic, how do you say his name? Pulisic. Is he the best soccer player that America has ever had in our existence? Uh, I would say he's on pace to be. That's probably the best. Okay. It. He's, I believe, 21 years old, if not 20. Um, you know, yeah, he has goals the last two games for Chelsea. Um, yeah, and I, yeah. I don't know if we've really talked too much about Chelsea on here. Um, but, you know, we have seven match weeks left, you know, with the EPL this year. Liverpool, they, they won the title. You know, we just got to see who gets relegated, who gets those final Champions League spots. But looking forward, Chelsea's a team to keep, the, keep eyes on. Um, you know, I think they're the next team to push. Um, you know, both Liverpool and Manchester City, you know, for the title over the next few years. They have a very young core. You know, guys like uh, the American hero, Christian Pulisic, uh, Mason Mount, um, Tammy Abraham, um, Reese James, the coach, Frank Lampard. He's a former Chelsea player. He's he's a rookie coach this year, so have another year's experience. And as I think we mentioned on a previous show, they're, um, you know, bringing in Timo Werner from Leipzig, so um, Bundesliga in there. Um, another really talented player, Hakim Zayek, uh, the star of Ajax, which is a, a team that plays in the Netherlands. They're a popular team last year in, in Champions League. So um, definitely a team on the rise. I could see them, you know, as soon as next year, um, sort of pushing those teams. But I would say this is a statement win for them, for sure. I just want the World Cup now because I want to see this kid just run around and be incredible. He almost had the second goal today, too. And then there was some incredible save by a defender, which was awesome. But shout out to him. Shout out to Soccer in America, Rich. It's going to be you and Christian. You guys are going to be our poster boys. We're going to be making money and we're going to be cheering for everybody. So, Rich, let's make some money this weekend. I know we still have a bunch of EPL, but if I'm not mistaken, there is a nine-game slate for Bundesliga this weekend. It is the last week of Bundesliga. I know we talked a lot about it, and then EPL came back, so we pretty much pretended like it didn't exist and i might have ruffled yours and austin's feathers by saying it wasn't the best league in europe so i do apologize still um but talk to me we have a nine game slate this saturday very excited for it and you know who, who this is this is the biggest one we've seen so far right yeah i'm super excited you know we're when epl came back you know we had some zero zero games some one nothing we back to the bundesliga where it's you know five four you know it's absolutely no defense um so here is what is going on um, so the EPL is basically taking a break this weekend. I think there might be um, one game, you know, one of the days. I, I think a very early game on Saturday. 
um, that no one's going to play or pay attention to whatsoever. Um, then Sunday, I think we might have, you know, one or two EPL games. Uh, but for the most part, most of um, the weekend for the English teams is going to the FA Cup, which is a domestic competition. So, um, you know, yeah, you could win a title, so to speak. It's something for, you know, some of those teams to play for. Um, so I think ESPN Plus is going to be showing those games on Sunday and Saturday. Uh, but the Bundesliga is entering its final match week. Um, we have all the games at once, so that, you know, quite a spectacle. We're used to maybe four games, five games is a big one. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be, uh, you know, something to see. I was looking at some of the odds, um, some of the standings, and I'm in the process of putting together the article. Um, here's some quick notes. Um, unfortunately, we don't have any relegation showdowns uh, because the three teams at the bottom already getting relegated. Um, I think the closest one is six points back, so two wins. Um, so Paderborn, um, Dusseldorf, and Werder Bremen are all gone. You know, uh, beyond that, we have um, the Champions League, that final spot between Gladbach and, uh, I know, say his f- favorite team, Bayer Leverkusen. Uh, never gonna those have, guys. You're never going to have to hear it again after today. It's amazing. <laughs> um, but they're actually they're playing for their Champions League lives um, as they're two points back of Gladbach. So Gladbach, basically, I think they have a, a much better goal differential, if I'm not mistaken. So I think they really just need a point. They get a tie. They can pretty much clint that, that final Champions League spot next year, whereas Bayer Leverkusen uh, absolutely needs to win. Um, so I think they're the biggest favorite on the slate at minus 400. And one of the more interesting developments is teams, um, you know, Bundesliga teams that we're used to seeing as, you know, very heavy favorites like Dortmund and uh, Bayern Munich are down a little bit. Um, I think they're both at minus 145 apiece. Um, and, and that's because it's the final day of the season, almost like what week 17 NFL that's probably the best analogy I can, you know, put forth for it, where, where some teams just aren't going to care. You know, it's an opportunity to show off some guys, get some guys time who normally sit on the bench. Um, so, you know, I, I pay more attention to lineups um, than previous weeks. You know, I mean, that's really going to dictate what happens. I would definitely expect some value to open up um, if you have starters sitting. Um, but, you know, almost like week 17 NFL, you know, the teams have something to play for, you know, like a Gladbach or Bayer Leverkusen. Uh, so I expect them to be pretty popular. Um, yeah, and, you know, when it comes to the Bundesliga, I mean, you know, after what I saw with Man City today, you know, Bayern Munich, they're looking pretty good, that's for sure. Um, I don't think uh, they had one sweat since coming back. So today what we saw with Chelsea, Man City, sort of showed some of those uh, defensive, um, you know, weaknesses that I sort of hinted on before. I mean, they were very evident today, and, uh, you know, I think uh, we will be seeing the champions of the Bundesliga again very shortly, so... Yes, yes, we get the Champions League in what, like a month and change, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, I can't wait. Uh, It's going to be fun. We're not there yet, though. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. We still have this nine game slate. So you gave us some of the picks. I mean, if it's going to be, it's going to be weird, as you said, with some of these really top heavy teams. And I love your analogy of week 17, right? Like, is Melvin Gordon going to play week 17? Probably not. Why does he have to? The Chargers are bad, or now the Broncos are probably not going to be that great. But who like when you when you're looking at this, how much more fun is it for you to do a nine game slate versus some of these two and three game slates? Because this is where you can start to get a little creative with your pick. So what are you looking at and, and how are you? And I know, as you said, you know, the article is going to be out shortly. What are you putting some market shares on some of these guys? And how are you really looking at, you know, the, the forwards, midfielders, defenders and goalies? Uh, well, I'll start off with as opposed to a two to four game sort of slate. I probably avoid cash here. Um, what is cash on a giant nine-game soccer slate? Um, you know, I, th- I think it is a GPP slate. And basically what I'll try to do, um, and this is usually my approach on drafting specifically, is, um, you know, probably have a smaller pool of defensemen and midfielders and try to mix up the forwards a lot um, just because goals are so variant that, you know, I think that, that and goalie, I think, are the two positions I'll try to mix up a lot. Um, but I'll have some mini stacks with two or three guys in an attack. Um, you know, I have some that are just, you know, mix up to have different combinations of, you know, guys from different teams. Um, but I, I would think it definitely uh, lends itself towards MMA. Um, you know, I, I just don't see, you know, one lineup, you know, really being uh, an optimal uh, sort of strategy for this slit. I love it. I love it. So are there any are there any games you're looking at specifically right now where you're you're going to pay attention to some of those stacks? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I, th- I think the truck is by Leverkusen. Um, you know, I think Kai Havertz, their big 19 uh, year old star who probably won't be there much longer, you know, in a year or two, the way it goes. Um, you know, he should be very popular. Um, I, I expect him to get a goal. You know, they're, they're, again, they have all the incentive in the world to win this game. 
Um, if they don't win, they have absolutely no chance of qualifying for the Champions League. So they're just going to go all out. Um, I, you know, I do want to see the Dortmund and Bayern Munich lineup because I think you get some value there. Um, you can get a guy for four or five K in the attack. You do it. You know, Gio Reyna, uh, who's also an American hero, uh, not as popular as Christian Pulisic. Uh, he's 17 years old, but um, he's another up-and-comer in the American team. He's probably, I would imagine, he gets a start for Dortmund in that sort of situation. So he might be another one to watch. Um, yeah, so, you know, I would just, you know, when those lineups come out, really pay attention and see, uh, you know, if there are any, you know, huge values or if any big stars are missing. I love it. Good stuff, Rich. And we'll uh, make sure, again, the link to the Discord is going to be in the show notes for the podcast because you can hop in there and talk to all the golf guys. Like when we were having, talking about Sia and Patrick and Steven, but you also can go talk to our soccer guys, Rich and Austin, because they make a lot of money too. And Austin um, really, really brags when he gets those picks right. But man, he he clams up when he doesn't. So, Rich, where can everyone find you on the internet? <laughs> Twitter, JFan303, and you can find me on Discord. Always in the Discord. Appreciate your time tonight, Rich. Thank you. As Thank always. you, Rich. Good stuff. Hey, Thank hey, Michael, why did you give that reaction when he said Reina? Is, is it because Reina screwed you over the first time you tried to do soccer DFS? No, he's just another American hero, but he might have. Uh, but no, it's the American hero in us, right? We're, we're looking. We need those guys in soccer. We really do. But yeah, he did. Well, we kinda, really do. You're right. Yeah, he really did screw me over uh, that first time. But man, like seeing what Christian Pulisic, I know I said his name wrong, but dude, that kid is incredible. He is yeah. so much fun. I don't know if you saw his goal or the goal that actually didn't happen, but check it out on Twitter when you're when you're hanging out there a little bit later. It was insane. The defender, really? he was amazing, and then the defender just made this incredible stop, which was a blast. So again, I saw the internet a buzz because a lot of people were betting on that Chelsea Man City game naturally to two pretty famous, well known teams. So um, that is that is our soccer segment. We appreciate Rich very much. Uh, he is incredible. He's going to make us some money, as he said. And make sure to go to the discord chat so that way you can hang out with him make sure to follow him on twitter as well and see it's here baseball i know we said baseball's back and we talked a little bit about it but now we have some numbers we have some lines we have some interesting things to talk about with baseball and that my friend is going to be the rest of the show so i buckle up see ya buckle up because this is probably the happiest you're ever going to see me i promise i'm excited until the Mets start winning and then let me down that's the next time you're going to see me so as we talked about last week, a couple of things we actually, we, I got completely wrong. Um, originally, the DH was not going to be there. They said, no DH. DH is back, baby. They said, no, to runners on second in extra innings. Guess what's back, Sia? You're right. Runners are going to start on second base in extra innings. <laughs> Technically, you can lose a perfect game now, right? Like, you can have a perfect game. Someone can get on second, stolen base, stolen base, game over. You still have a perfect game, and you lost somehow, which is which is crazy. I mean, only Pedro could do something like that. Um, and the expanded playoffs are actually still on the board. So everything that I told you, no, Sia, you're wrong. You got bad information. You were actually right, my friend. You so, right. so can I ask you something before we move on? Because, again, I'm just the casual baseball fan that has been following it, you know, ever since the 80s and has been betting on it ever since the 90s. But I'm not like the purist where I would say and that, that that's not meant to be a derogatory term, even though I always sort of say it like it is because it kind of is meant to yeah. be a derogatory term. But you are the baseball purist. So universal DH, is that something for the future? Are you pro universal DH or are you con for the regular 162 game slate? I understand it. The National League is literally the only league in the entire world that the pitchers have to hit. Like they don't do it in college. They don't do it really in high school. They, like so they they come up not doing it and then you throw it in. Personally, I think real baseball is National League baseball and I say that as a derogatory comment and a statement as well because it's pretty boring watching AL baseball sometimes. You throw out nine guys and you're just like frigate you know we can just put in 18 pitchers and nothing matters and who cares let's go and it's kind of boring like i actually like the strategic element of it um so that's that's why i do like pitchers hitting only just because you know when we get to the sixth inning you actually kind of have to think it's not just like all right it's the sixth inning um this guy's at 100 pitches we can just take him out you have to actually think a little bit so i understand it it is what it is it was coming it was always coming more offense so that's great too um but i don't know man i i Kind of like National League Baseball. I mean, I also grew up with it, so maybe that's that's on me too. Yeah, I mean, for a sport that, you know, a non it, when they're not using steroids, for a sport that is like kind of trying to get some more runs, when yeah. you have like your six and seven hitter who get on base and there's, you know, two outs or something, and, you know, I, I'm sure there's a better scenario I can paint here, but, you know, you, you, you could walk that eighth batter mm -hmm. and you know the pitcher's, you know, probably batting like, you know, 150 at best. And at best. 
Yeah. So, I mean, it just, it's just like yeah. anytime you're at the back half of the order in the NL, it almost like, even if you get a couple hits, you're like, oh yeah, that's cool that they got a couple hits, but you know, in two batters, they've got, you know, whoever, you know, mm-hmm. batting. And, so. and I completely agree. Um, that is a very frustrating part of the game too. So no, I mean, it was coming. I, 60 40 i would say 60 percent. i'd like to see it say 40 percent. i understand but it's going to happen it's going to move forward it doesn't matter what i think or what i feel um and again it would make more sense if these pitchers were hitting up to this point but they literally don't do it for like however many years and then are all of a sudden told to do it again so it, it makes no logical sense when you think about it at that point so it is what it is but we're going to talk about actually some some uh, teams i wrote down a few teams some nl teams that are actually pretty set up for the DH to come in, the universal DH. I'm going to call it the UDH now. I don't know if anybody um, trademarked that. So if you don't mind, as our resident lawyer on the show, UDH. Right yeah, no, I'll, I'll make sure I file the paperwork. Thank for you. Sure. Appreciate it, bud. Appreciate yeah. it. Uh, I know you don't have like a wife or a kids or things that you want to do either. So, you know, I'm just giving you some more work to hang out with. I'm just uh, trying to get excuses to, to get away from that. So thank oh, you very much, sir. All right. Look at that. Appreciate that it. Um, so expanded playoffs, as I said on the table, it's going to get weird, but I'm all for it. So, so let's rock and roll. So you did a lot of the heavy lifting. Um, and then I just kind of filled in my notes here. So we do have the odds for the championship. We have the odds for the world series and I'm very excited to see it. And it's really weird. So one thing we should start out with is the fact that the schedule is wacky. Um, to say the least, if I'm, if I may, so it's going to be 40, it's a 60 game season. So it's 40 games within your division. So it's 10 games against each of those teams. And then it's 20 games against your opposite division. So East plays East central plays central West plays West. I think that I want to see when some of these totals come out. I know a couple places have come out, but I don't think it's on DraftKings or FanDuel yet for the totals of the teams, because I think that's where there's some money to really be made because I think there's some divisions and I went over it a little bit in our notes. The central division is awful. Not only is it very mediocre, but it has three of what will probably be the worst teams in baseball. So when you kind of have that together and you're a team like the Indians, so you're going to play 10 games against the Royals, 10 games against the Tigers, and you're going to play four games against the Pirates. That's almost half of your entire schedule, if I'm not mistaken, 24 games against three of the worst teams in all of baseball. I really want to see what their over-under is. Because, of course, they're going to lose some of them, right? They're not going to win all 24 of those games. That's right. insane. But, man, that's going to be an interesting over-under to look at. So, I don't know. We we don't have those numbers, but that's just something I wanted to bring up um, a little bit before we get in. So, where's the value? You wrote down a couple teams here. So, let's just start West, East, Central. You know, we'll go across, across the country a little bit. Who do you see as a, as a couple of teams that you're looking at that you're saying, again, you know, we t- spoke about it on Tuesday. There's no point in taking the Yankees. I think right now the Yankees are plus 375 or the Yankees are plus 400. Dodgers are plus 375. Where the, why the heck are we going to take that? Right. So where, where are some of those teams that you're looking that maybe we can put a couple bucks down and that's where we can really start to make some money. You know, I'm always trying to take the long odds and, and I'm hoping that, you know, some of those teams like the Yankees or the Dodgers, for example, which of course, aren't in the West. But my point is, is some of those shorter odds teams, I'm hoping almost fall on hard times in the first Mm -hmm. 20 games. So, so their odds sort of fall back to something that's like reasonable from a value standpoint. So I just picked, and and, you know, I know you're certainly at this point, I'm not very sophisticated in, in sort of the the team makeup. Like I was at the end of the year last year when I was like betting every day on it. So I'd like to ask you, so I'm going to give you a few teams and you tell me, you know, if you think a there's value and, and you think B you would, put something on it mm-hmm. so i'll start with the padres at 50 to 1 how do you feel i mean that seems 50 to 1 seems like pretty long odds for a team that you know from what i recall has has a lot of young players I, from what i recall you can tell mm-hmm. me their pitching staff isn't exactly great but they they do have some guys that can swing the bat their pitching staff is better and they do have a couple guys that can hit the ball uh, they have manny machado they have um Fernando Tatis, and I apologize, I don't have their roster in front of me, but I do think, so here's the thing with some of these teams, and we're going to talk about this with the, uh, the Oakland A's, and I'm assuming a second, there are certain teams that are young that their pitchers would have absolutely been on an innings limit, right? Like, you're going to 150 innings, you're going to play two-thirds, three-quarters of the year, and then we're pretty much going to say no. Now, these pitchers, there's literally no innings limit, right? Like, there's no way they're going to hit 150 innings in 60 games, some of these guys. Good point. I think something like that. I mean, those teams that have some fireballers and the Padres, absolutely. Their farm system's always stacked. It feels like it's never not stacked anymore. 
I, I don't know, man. 50 to one's interesting. I don't think they're going to win it, but I think that's an interesting play where you could put a couple bucks down. And then once it starts to get kind of weird, like the Padres are still kind of in it because they were in it for a little while last year. Um, not like in it, in it. Everyone knew the Dodgers were going to run away, but that's in 162. It's easy for the Dodgers to do that. Padres were pretty solid for a little while. And I think, again, that's something where you can then start to hedge out, especially if they make it to the playoffs. That'd be a fun yeah. bet to place. Yeah, I mean, as I scan the teams, I mean, when you look at the East, the AL East and the NL East, like there's a lot of like ridiculously good teams. And then there's a lot of teams that aren't ridiculously good, but are still really good. So mm -hmm. when I look at the West, you know, you're, you're looking at the NL and the AL West. I mean, of course, the Dodgers are really good, although they tend to be underwhelming a little bit, mm -hmm. in the, especially That's when they start time. out yeah. in the regular season. But OK, let's just assume they're, 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 they're the cream of the crop because they are. But after that, you know, just looking at the, the NL West. You got the Padres, the San Francisco Giants, which I don't think are going to be very good, of course. I don't think the Rockies are going to be very good. I think the Diamondbacks have you know, a chance to be decent. And then the AL West, you got the Angels, who never really seem to have the pitching to, to make it happen. The A's, a nice up-and-coming team. That's probably going to be another team I'm going to suggest. Mm -hmm. They got the Mariners, the Rangers, and the Astros. Now, I understand the Astros are, are pretty great, but I don't know. I mean, I, I know this sounds kind of ridiculous but like are they really great like i don't know like are some yeah. of these hitters that we think are great like post sign stealing scandal are they still going to be great? i don't know i'm, I'm just i think it's I'm a fair confident. question to ask it's an absolutely a fair confident i'm very very fair question to ask but i'm pretty confident those dudes are even i know it's one thing to eliminate half the pitches and this that and the other thing but you still got to hit the ball man you know well they but they it's, also lost garrett insane. cole did they not they did. They did. And he's incredible. But Justin Verlander won the Cy Young last year. Now, I know yeah. him and Garrett Cole went one, two, but they're going to be fine. They still have Zach Granke, who they picked up very late last year as well um, in the on the trade deadline. So uh, Astros are a smart team, um, maybe a little too smart sometimes, as we now know. <laughs> but uh, I think they're I think they're going to be just fine. So it's going to be interesting. You say the D-backs 45 to one. They pick up Madison Bumgarner. You don't have to worry about his health because like, unless he gets hurt, obviously, but you're not going to worry about the longevity because he's going to pitch what, like what's 60 divided by five. Um, quick math, quick math. Uh, that would be 12, 10, 12. Thank you. He's going to get 10 starts in maybe, right? Like you don't have to worry about him. He, he's a workhorse. He can make, he makes 10 starts in a postseason, let alone a 60 game season. Like he's going to be just fine. So, that's an interesting team. They're going to hit the ball. Um, everybody talks about Coors Field. Everyone kind of forgets about Chase Field. Chase Field is the second highest in terms of elevation. So the ball okay. flies there. Uh, that's always something interesting to know. So it's interesting. And then you also wrote down the the A, um, yeah, the A's. So again, the the they're going to be playing 10 games against the Mariners, who are terrible. The Rangers, who got Corey Kluber, but are terrible. The Angels, who really aren't that good. The Astros obviously. And then again, they're going to be taking on the Padres and the giants for another eight games combined. I mean, there there's just so it's going to be such a weird season. And again, I really want to see those over unders because there's going to be some money to be made where people are just not putting two and two together when they're looking at these schedules. Yeah. I was, I was interested in the A's the most when I was looking at the AL and NL West teams, when I found out how the schedule was going to be uh, whatever partitioned out mm -hmm. and 25 to one. I was like, Oh damn. Like I, I honestly thought it was going to be like 40 to one. And I understand the A's, everybody knows they're an up and coming team to some degree. And they always, um, they're all, you know, they always get everything out of their players, out of their staff mm -hmm. They're you know, obviously this goes back, you know, decades at this point, but I was hoping they'd be 30, 35 to one. But I guess now that you mentioned it at 25 to one, there's knowing who they play mm -hmm. within their own division, but then, you know, in the other part of the West, it, it kind of makes sense to take a shot there. I think. I also think we, Everybody listening, you and myself included, we want to get these bets in before they announce the expanded playoffs because all of these odds are going to change. If you add an extra four teams to the playoffs, everybody's odds move. No, I, like, I don't care who you are, right? So like, if you have an extra shot two and two on both sides to make the playoffs, again, just like every other sport, you just got to get hot. If you're hot at the yeah. right time and that's possible. You can run through and, and actually take it home. I think it's, you know, it's, it's legitimate. Well, let me let me ask you this because I'm curious what you think the odds are that they actually are going to do the expanded playoffs. Because I personally think it's a bad idea. I I mean, unless it's just a revenue grab, which then I guess I I, I yeah. can't really necessarily argue with it. But it seems to me that putting ten teams in the playoffs after a sixty game season is is about the right amount of teams. But you tell me, what do you think? What do you think the odds are that that it's going to happen? And what do you think about whether it should happen or not? I think it. 
let's get crazy with it. So yes, I think it should happen. Screw it at this point. The season makes no sense. It doesn't really mean anything. Like let's put as many people in because again, like what's going to happen when the Astros, the Yankees, the Dodgers, the Red Sox, you know, 60 games in, they're like 35 and 25. Like, all right, maybe that's actually a pretty solid record. But like, what if they're like 32 and 28? Like they're barely above 500. After 60 games, that's not a big deal. But after a 60 game season, that is a big deal. So I think from baseball standpoint, they're going to want to add those extra four teams most likely just to make sure exact, just like the NBA is doing to make sure that Zion gets in the playoffs. The MLB is going to say, you know what, just in case, because the Dodgers after 60 games, sometimes, yeah, they're like hovering around 500 and then they'll go on a tear in the middle of the year because they have so many extra players, so many extra bats, and they're capable of doing that. I think MLB is going to be smart about it and say, you know what, let's just give us those extra two teams. Let's just make sure. I think the Yankees are going to be fine. But a team like the Dodgers, again, you know, you you brought it up. They start slow sometimes. The no, Astros, you know what it is, you know Michael? I mean? It's not the Dodgers, <clears throat> although I see your point. Mm-hmm. Now that you mention it, and, and, and actually I, I agree with you now because it's going to make it more exciting to have those extra teams, especially with baseball because they don't really – tend to generate a lot of excitement there. And as you're going down the stretch of the last like 10 regular season games to know that you're a game apart or a game back of like three or four other teams that are competing for, you know, that eight, you know, whatever the last couple spots, that's pretty exciting. I think they finally want to get Mike Trout to a playoff. Ah, yes. Thank you. He is, he is the face of baseball. I mean, he's not really because MLB doesn't know how to promote their stars, but he should be. And what, like what, what better opportunity than to have A, in a bridge season and B, in expanded playoffs to get your superstar that nobody knows about or, you know, non-baseball people don't know about onto a TV screen during the playoffs where everybody's watching. So I think it's more of a play for some of those like those guys on teams that just don't really have quite the shot to make the playoffs that the Dodgers or the Yankees or even like the Indians do. So, yeah, that's it's an interesting point. And I, I'd like to see more superstars in the playoffs. So I guess I'm all for it. Exactly. And one thing I can say about that, the expanded playoffs, I'll use quotation marks is because it's it's play in, right? Like they're just going to have an extra wild card game at that point. And it's probably just going to be something similar to the NBA where it's like, all right, if you win one, then you're in. If you can win two, then you're in. It's going to get weird and wacky again. So that's also why I'm for it. But it's not like they're going to have these multiple game series. I think it's more going to be Here's just a game seven. You're like here, here's like four game sevens to start off the playoffs, guys. Have fun, right? And that's where I think they're gonna try and go with it. And I mean, at that point, why the hell not? Just give it to me. I want more baseball anyway. Like if I can get two extra games out of this, shoot, I'll take it. So I got something for you because, well, I got two things for you actually because uh, Isaiah DFS, which is at Isaiah Protocol, is uh, is on Discord. He's actually on the golf chat, but he's listening to our show and he has he has an MLB thing that I want to toss to you. I haven't seen this bet out there, so I don't know if it's actually out there at the odds that he's saying it is. But the I'll read it and then I have something to say about Isaiah because I have a correction to make. But um, he said, "Drop some money on the first player since Ted Williams, nineteen forty one, to hit four hundred in a season." He said he he he's heard it's at twelve hundred to one, and he's saying, you know, obviously it's a sixty game season, so you can get hot for that stretch of time i I personally don't think any book would offer it at 1200 to one but even if it was like 200 to one or let's say 350 to one i mean is that is that possible the other thing i was going to say is i referred to him as a subscriber before i didn't realize he's um isaiah is a writer for some of the other sports so that's totally my bad on that but uh what do you think what do you think of his take i don't think he's going to hold it against you as isaiah is a pretty cool dude um what do i think no i don't think it's going to happen at all unfortunately baseball they don't care about batting average anymore so it's kind of unfortunate i mean yeah someone can absolutely for a 60 game stretch hit 400 but i don't know man i think with with the starting and stopping so far and then coming back and i mean you still kind of have to get into game shape so those first 20 games, I don't think are going to be very pretty. Um, so, I mean, again, that's taking an entire third out of the season. I don't know, man. I think we're going to see some weird numbers. And, you know, who lead? like, I'm curious who leads the league in home runs. Is it 25, 25 home runs? I mean, I think when you extrapolate that out, that's over well over 50 for a season, right? Like that's a, you know, that's actually like probably closer to 70 or something. But I mean, I don't know, 20, 25 home runs. Like it's going to be weird, man. It's going to be real weird. But I'm, unfortunately, I mean, if it's 1200 to one, Again, that's one of your put $10 on it and just kind of see what happens kind of bets. But no, I don't think that's unfortunately, I don't think that's going to happen. Fair enough. Okay, so let's move on to the East then. Have you looked at, I mean, obviously we got our show notes. I put down a couple teams that I thought, (laughs) this is funny. So of course you put down the Mets at 20 to 1. So tell me, sell me on the Mets at 20 to 1 in obviously the toughest division you could possibly be in. 
Yes, toughest division. I think again, if there's that expanded playoffs, it helps naturally. But uh, we're gonna get to the Mets in a little bit because the Universal DH is gonna really help them because we get a guy called Johannes Cespedes back. Everyone might have forgotten about him, but don't worry, Mets fans have not forgotten about what Johannes Cespedes did for them that one time because it was <laughs> awesome. But no, I think the pitching staff is fantastic. I mean, you have Jacob Degrom. I don't know if a Cy Young. I mean, he he absolutely can win another Cy Young. I, that's that's the other thing. Who's going to have a sub one Cy Young after 10 starts, right? Like that's, it's going to be weird, man. But um, Jacob deGrom, best pitcher in baseball. I think no questions asked in my opinion. Um, the rest of the pitching staff is pretty solid. And again, they only kind of have to cobble together a few starts. So we'll see what happens. I know we lost Zach Wheeler and I know we, I'm sorry. They lost Zach Wheeler. Noah Syndergaard is hurt. I guess if there's a year to get hurt. It's this one where it barely counts, but I think the offense is going to be really good. And I think the pitching staff is going to be pretty solid. And it really just comes down to the bullpen for the Mets. So I think at 20 to one, man, and and here's the Mets fan in me too. If there's a year we're going to win the World Series, and Jason and I were BSing about this, it's going to be the year where no one else respects it, right? Everyone else is going to be like, <laughs> oh, but the Mets won in 2020, and that wasn't really a real year, and it doesn't matter. So I'm going to celebrate the hell out of it if it happens. But of course, you know, the rest of the world will kind of just laugh it off and pretend like it really didn't count anyway. They'll, they'll, they'll come up, the Yankees fans will probably be like, oh, it's half a World Series or something. So I think that's more the pessimist in me saying, you know what, at 20 to 1, Let's take a shot. Let's see what happens. So where do you think there's more value, the Mets at 20 to 1 or the Nats at 18 to 1? I'm not saying, you know, who do you think's the better team necessarily, but do you does do you, do you feel better about putting not as a Mets fan, but just as a, a better 18 to 1 on the Nats or 20 to 1 on the Mets? I would say 20 to 1 on the Mets. I think the Mets offense is better and I think, you know, DeGrom and Scherzer essentially cancel each other out. And then from there, both of the bullpens, while everyone forgot how incredible, I mean, the Nats bullpen was amazing in the postseason, but they were worse than the Mets in the regular season last year. Now, I don't know how much is going to carry over, what type of regression to the mean is going to be, you know, positive regression is going to come back because it's going to be very, very hard for both those bullpens to be as bad as they were. Which one steps up a little bit, you know, right? I mean, again, the AL East is a little bit harder. The, the, the East in general, you know, we'll call it the East region is going to be a little bit more difficult, but I do think the Mets offense is going to be better than the Nats offense. And if you get that extra, you know, little juice, um, a little bump with the, uh, the 20 to 18 or 18 to 20, I would say I'd be a little more comfortable in the Mets. I mean, I'm sure you're right about the hitting, but I got I got to say that you just said that DeGrom cancels out Scherzer and you just sort of conveniently left Strasburg out of the conversation. Is that yes. by accident or by design? No, I think he's I, I mean, he got paid and good for him, but like. I mean, he's really good. But, I mean, I mean like, isn't he a top 10 pitcher in the league or no? You tell me. Top 15, I'd say, which is okay. solid. But I mean, again, like we'll we'll see. Like he he's had some bad stretches just like everybody else. I would say he's definitely better than everyone else on the Mets staff. But at the same time, I mean, you can kind of get over that again, depending on what the uh, what the bullpens look like. So you make a very good point, And uh, I, I appreciate that. But no, you're wrong. So yeah, let's go Mets. <laughs> LFGM, baby. LFGM. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna stay away from the East personally. Yeah, but but to your but to your point, if, if I was going to take an Eastern team, it would probably be the Nats or the Mets. Um those are mm-hmm. those are long enough odds for me to be somewhat interested. Again, you, you know, you're you don't have you we're talking in terms of like, you know, you, you don't bet much at all. And when you do, it's it's a small amount. I mm-hmm. bet a I bet a lot, but I don't bet big amounts. The the mm-hmm. reality is putting twenty bucks on the Mets at twenty to one or twenty bucks on the Nats at eighteen to one is you know, that's still at like $360 or $400. Like that's still fun to track for a 60 game regular season into the playoffs. So, mm-hmm. you know, these aren't, these aren't things you like, sometimes this is sort of just for fun and just for the sweat. But I think those are, I think those are actually like, there's some value in those plays. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I do agree with you though. The East is by far the hardest. Um, and the central moving on is by far the easiest. As I was saying before, the Royals, the Tigers, the Pirates, probably going to be three of the worst teams. I mean, we have the Twins and the Indians, both most likely going to make the playoffs, whether it's 10 or 14 teams. I don't really care. Then you have those NL East teams that are all kind of the same-ish. They usually end up with similar records, the Cubs, the Cardinals, and the Brewers. Then we have the White Sox and the Reds. So we'll see. Maybe we'll talk to Nick uh, on Tuesday how he feels about the White Sox and really just the Central in general. But I don't know, man. This is going to be a very weird one. How the Indians are 22 to one while the Mets are 20 to one makes no sense. Again, the Indians are a fantastic team already. And then again, you take, you put on top of that, that 24 of their games are going to be against the three worst teams. I mean, Francisco Lindor to win the MVP, I would probably put money on that. And I don't care 
what the uh what, what the outcome is or i don't i don't care what the odds are at that point so i don't know man but we do actually have a question uh jimmy wagner what about the reds my reds good for you jim a part owner on the team I, I like that my my mets too i'm part owner as well uh best <laughs> staff in the nl central mvp caliber player in suarez um yeah i mean it's pretty solid i think you know one thing and again going to talk about it i think the reds have one of the best cases for the dh the the udh thank you for patenting it sia i do appreciate your time you're welcome there and i think that that is going to help them significantly because they have a lot of dudes that can hit the ball and not a lot of guys that can play the field so i think suarez is fantastic i don't think he gets nearly enough love jim uh because he is in cincinnati i also think i I agree with you their pitching staff is solid but they play in a bandbox so their pitching is going to get rocked probably i know sunny gray was pretty solid the year and a half if i'm not mistaken he's been there i think trevor bauer sucks um, I think Trevor Bauer sucks a lot. I kind of <laughs> find him funny on the internet, but I don't think he's a very good pitcher anymore, especially when, since he went to Cincinnati. So I don't think that's going to be that great, but I don't know, man. I think the let's, let's just double check on the odds for the reds right now, 25 to one. So again, I mean, that's, it's going to be offense. It's going to be a lot of home runs that team, especially. So it's, it's going to be very interesting with them. I, I wouldn't be surprised too much. <laughs> I specifically looked at the Reds because I don't know if it was on our SiriusXM show or if it was on a, a Win Daily show when we just touched on baseball before we knew if it was coming back. But I, I think I mentioned the Reds because that was a team actually the last couple of years that I've been betting on uh, in the regular season, just you know, just regular games, regular season games, because I felt like they were really undervalued in the market. Um, and they had, you know, like I guess it was Jimmy, like he said, like a pretty good pitching staff that you know nobody really knew about. The, the reason I didn't put them in our notes is because. I thought 25 to one was kind of unfair. I didn't see the value in the 25 to one. I expected them to be like 35 to one or like 33 to one or something like that. So when I saw the 25 to one, I was just like, well, you know, I don't love that. It's not, that's not a, a good enough investment. When, when I see teams like the Padres, for example, who I understand have probably a lesser chance and that's why they're 50 to one, I, you know, 50 to one versus 25 to one for, for two teams that like are relative long shots i just i'm not going to lean towards that 25 if if they were 40 or 35 i would absolutely love the reds i just didn't like the value of the play but can they surprise and win in in the central of course yeah again they're playing terrible terrible teams now obviously the al central teams have a little bit better advantage because they got the royals and the tigers but again i mean they're the reds are going to play about a third of their games against the royals the tigers and the pirates who are going to be three of the worst teams now again they're not going to win all of them. That's not how baseball works, Susan. But they're going to win a bunch of them, and their their record is going to reflect it. And I think another reason why they're 25-1 to 1 is because they brought in Nick Castellanos, who's a fantastic hitter, and especially in Cincinnati, he's going to hit because he's a doubles machine, but Cincinnati's so small, a lot of those doubles are going to turn to home runs. And they brought in Mike Moustakis, who is kind of a home... I mean, he hit 30 home runs, I think, the last two or three years in a row. Dude's just a monster. And now they get a DH. And both of those guys suck at defense. So now you could slot one of them right into the DH. That ups their value significantly. And I think the Reds are now poised to be right after my biasly the Mets, the the second best team for the DH. I think that's very important. And another one you put down here, and another one I put, let's talk about uh the NL Central teams a little bit. The Cubs at 22 to 1. How do you feel about that? Is that one that I mean, I think they're 22 to 1 in name, not in talent, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, and, and to be honest with you, when you updated the notes and you put the Brewers at thirty-five to one, I immediately just erased the Cubs from my brain because I was like, "There's, there's just no reason for me to like that bet relative to some of the stuff mm-hmm. around it, like the Indians or or like the the Reds, if you if you want to go there." But the Brewers, like you have here at thirty-five to one, that one makes a lot of sense. From again, we're talking about value. We're not necessarily talking about most likely to make the playoffs or most likely to win the World Series. It's best value from you know the number that you see. So but- thirty-five to one, that looks pretty good. That's that this should be the team that you love the most because they 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 are talented. They do yeah. have incredible pitching. They're smarter than everybody else. They still have, you know, the would have been probably two-time MVP in Christian Yelich if he didn't get hurt last year. Like I have no idea why the Brewers are 35 to 1. Now I know they had a significant amount of turnover. We talk about Mike Mustakas, he left the Brewers, went to the Reds. So like there was a little bit of turnover, but I feel like if there's a team you know, they're 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 like the Oakland Athletics almost. They're going to get everything out of all of their players. They're going mm-hmm. to do things like Wade Miley pitching a single pitch in the playoffs just to screw the entire Dodgers lineup over. Like they're going to do things like that, which I love. And I think that's incredible. People got angry about that. Those purists suck. 
I think that we need to have two different definitions for purists or maybe like a like a hardcore purist versus someone that just likes the game of baseball because I feel like I'm a little towards liking the game of baseball, but like I'm not one of those assholes that's just like, how could he only pitch a pitch? He's a starting pitcher. Like he has to pitch the whole six innings. It's like, well, why? Like he started the game and that's it. Like I don't care. Yeah, no, I agree with you. There's like the fundamentalist purists yeah. that just won't just won't come off their block. And then there's the people that have like come a long way, but they're not willing to cross a certain line. Mm-hmm. I think that's where you're at. So I'll give you yeah. credit there. That's Thank fair. You. I appreciate that, Sia. Yeah, Is there welcome. anything lawyer wise we can do with that? Like again, more trademarks, more more patents or anything? I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go to the library and crack the books on that one. We'll see. I'll get back well, to you on Tuesday's Win Daily Show or on Sirius XM uh this Saturday, where by the way, all three oh. of us are gonna be on seven okay. to nine. You, me, Jason Mizrahi, and then we have uh, two or three special guests, I yep. believe, coming on the show. We have Brandon Steiner again. We have David Meltzer. I don't know about Leonard. So I'm gonna, I'm not gonna say that one. Um, he's not guaranteed. But the other two are stack. It's gonna be a stack show, man. I am awesome. so excited. It's gonna be absolutely fantastic. So, those are a couple of the, uh, a little bit of the bets that we like. Uh, the Brewers are probably my favorite, honestly, at this point. They're smarter and they're better than just about everybody else. And again, 18 of their games are coming against three of the worst teams in the league. I mean, if anything, why not? That That's the team that see, I feel like you should be in love with the most couple, couple, couple more notes. Um, really interesting. Uh, the travel schedules of these teams, because they're keeping it regionally based. The Yankees don't have to fly out to Seattle or to Oakland or to Houston, even um, unfortunately to see that, but the Yankees Mets and Phillies, I think I saw a statistic. They are going to play over 50% of their games within 250 miles where a team like the, um, the Seattle Mariners are going to have the closest game be 800 miles away. (laughs) Um, so if that doesn't just scream like, well, kind of inconsistencies, East coast, West coast thing, I think that I think travel overall during a season. Yes. West coast teams do have to travel more, but the fact that the Yankees then play the Mets, the Phillies, the Red Sox, the Orioles, the nationals, I mean, that's five of the nine teams they can play. And if they really want to get crazy, they go up to Toronto. Like most of their teams are within such a close, close proximity. Whereas again, like those teams on the West Coast and even some of the Central, they're going to be traveling. Is is that anything you're going to take into mind when you look at any of these bets? Or is that just kind of an interesting footnote? No, it's definitely going to be kept in mind because especially if it's a if it's a compacted schedule in terms of like turnover mm-hmm. from one game to the next to the next and like a one or two days off here and there, like this is going to take a toll on guys, especially like, you know, they're also no, they're, they're going to be away from their family a lot. They're going to be just generally tired. They're going to be maybe a little bit worried about the pandemic situation. Yep. So it's a lot easier when you're, you know, you're hopping on a bus somewhere and, and it's two hours as opposed to hopping on a plane and worrying about this, that and the other. So I um. I think that's a big deal. It's a big deal across sports. All all those teams in the central part of America or on the West Coast. I'll give you an example. Like every year, the um, it's the Seattle Seahawks. It's it's the Oakland Raiders. Now the Las Vegas Raiders. It's those you know San Francisco 49ers. They always travel somewhere between twenty five and thirty thousand miles a year. But you take a team like the Ravens or the New York Jets. They always travel somewhere between. I shouldn't say always, but eighty percent of the time they travel between six and eight thousand miles per year. And by the way, that 6,000 mile mark, I think that's what the Ravens have. Like that's another team that just has everything kind of going for them. But like those East coast teams, like whether it's baseball or hockey or anything else in this abridged season. Yeah. I think that matters. It's certainly going to matter on a day-to-day betting standpoint, mm-hmm. as far as futures, it's sort of hard to bake that in uh, to, you know, assessing value, but no, from a, from a day-to-day betting standpoint, I absolutely will be looking at the travel. Yeah, I I completely agree. And one thing that we found, again, not a doctor, not a scientist, but obviously if you're traveling more, you're going to be more run down. You're going to be more tired. Your immune system's not going to be the way it is. So again, not a doctor or a scientist. I just am pretty sure that's just kind of how the body works. So I don't want to wish it upon anybody, but if that's, you know, again, on a day-to-day basis, that's something definitely to look up out for considering, you know, the fantasy values, um, considering the daily, you know, the bets that we're going to be placing, which I'm very excited to do uh, coming up a little bit. So that's going to be interesting. So we'll see what happens there. And then just the last point uh, before we get to our one NFL note that I think is very important because we always have to talk NFL. Just again, the universal DH, we talked about most of these teams. The Mets are going to have Cespedes. The Reds are going to have Castellanos, Moustakis. They can sit someone like uh, Eugenio Suarez down. Cubs are going to have Schwarber. The Dodgers are just smarter than everyone else, and their bench is always stacked. So that's going to make it so much easier. The Nationals, Ryan Zimmerman. I just think those are five teams just kind of quickly off the cuff that I think are going to be so, so, I mean, not well-prepared, but just positively boosted by having this udh trademark that i think it's going to be absolutely fantastic for them and and those are again those are some of the teams again the brewers i didn't have them on there but they're smarter than everybody else they're gonna have someone on their bench that's just a little bit better at playing defense or a little bit better at hitting the ball so now they don't have to have 
you know, one of their dumb pitchers uh, swing the bat. Uh, so I, I think that's pretty important. And then so we have to end the show with a little bit of football. Unfortunately, Hall of Fame game got canceled. Does this does this move the needle for you at all? See Not even a little bit. Okay, I mean, cool. if, if they had. So this is so funny how like the Internet and Twitter and just social media, uh, by the way, that, that social media clip last week that we did that got a lot of attention. That was kind of cool. Yeah. I think we actually had something important to say in that clip. So if you haven't seen it, go back to um, I know it's on my page at Sia Najad. Yeah. But anyway, um, yeah, if they hadn't canceled that game, I would have been surprised. And I, the point I was about to make was it's so funny, like that comes out and people are like, oh, no, here we go. It's like if you didn't already think that there was either going to be no preseason or an abridged preseason, like maybe two games, if you didn't already think that, then you just weren't paying attention and you're kind of stupid. I, like I hate to be I, I, I hate to be that guy, but like I can't stand the people who are like, you know, jumping to their keyboard and being like, I guess there's no season. And it's like, no, no, no. Anybody who was tied in knew some of these preseason games, particularly the first one, were going to get canceled. So, no, it doesn't move the needle at all. You know, what will move the needle is – some of these players getting sick and having mm-hmm. some actual consequences. Like we know Zeke got it on June 15th. He's already better. We know a lot of these people across sports have gotten it. They're already better, but that's not necessarily going to always be the case. So it's somebody getting really sick or somebody's, you know, kid or parent or a staff member on a team getting really sick where I think Roger Goodell is really going to have to sit down and like, you know, be in sort of a potential PR nightmare. Mm-hmm. But as of now, no, I don't think the, the needle has moved at all for any sport. And I think golf really did an important thing by not canceling the travelers because they were sort of beyond the MMA, which is kind of a niche sport. You know, they can respond however they want. It's not going to set the example for other sports. But as far as like the big time sports, golf was in a position to sort of set a precedent. Hey, we've got these COVID guys. They're like actively playing in this tournament or about to. What do we do? And so my big fear in them canceling the tournament was twofold. One, I didn't want the Travelers to be canceled because I freaking love watching golf and mm-hmm. playing DraftKings and FanDuel golf and betting on golf and all that stuff. But more importantly, now they were going to set this precedent that the public was going to look at and say, hey, hey, look what golf did. Like You guys kind of have to follow suit, mm-hmm. right? And fortunately, that didn't happen. So again, nothing has moved the needle yet. There's certainly the potential for that. But as far as I'm concerned, it's all systems go across all sports. Yes. And uh, yeah, Hall of Fame game sucks anyway. So I don't care if they cancel it forever. Honestly, like it does absolutely nothing for me. I totally agree with you. And and to make, you know, just that point that we were talking about last week, would it have been the public that said, hey, golf canceled it. So you have to, too. Or would it have just been, you know, a couple people on Twitter shouting as loud as they can in cap locks? So I don't know. Well, yeah, it's a good point. And so what how that actually occurs is it's Twitter. And then it's the public yeah. because the public is reacting off that 10% of the population that wants to be super reactionary. So that's how that works. And that is exactly how that works. And it's unfortunate. Last piece of news, training camps expected to start as normal. So um, I agree with you. Oh, also all, um, see his words, not mine, stupid NFL fans. It's at Sia Najad, all Ravens fans, all uh, Bills fans, please. He's more, oh, Falcons fans too. We're adding that. I didn't need to write all this down. Uh, yeah, we should make a list. You're yeah, right. We should make a list because at some point it's going to be all these teams. And Giants fans, Sia is hammering the under, but I mean, I am too, so I can't really say too much there. Um, but yeah, man, another great show. Another great night. Sia, I mean, we've said it a couple of times, but just for everybody in the back of the room, where can they find you on the internet? At Sia Najad. That's at S-I-A-N-E-J-A-D. Love it. And I'm at Michael Raziel one for my man Sia, for Rich at JFan303. We hope you make it a very profitable night, everybody.